Ladies and oh man, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's always something. I can't, I can't just get things to to work properly. Uh, it's the weekly pint. It used to not be a show, and I kind of liked it when it wasn't a show because um, I, when I messed up on things, I didn't have to feel bad about it. <laughs> Uh, now I should go back and, uh, and fix that before I post the actual podcast episode, but I'm not going to because, um, because it's, it takes too much time. And the whole point of this is to get things nice and streamlined and, um, easy, easy peasy. (laughs) How's everybody doing? Uh, the big part about this show is uh, it's live, number one. So for all of you who are listening to this via the podcast feed, thank you. And it's there for you to listen to it uh, via the podcast feed. Uh, but this show was, was, was built and exists as, um, as, as a live event. We hang out every single Monday night and we all have a drink together and just talk about uh, whatever happens to be going on. It could be um, national beer news or national drink news. It could be local news. Uh, it could just be chaos in our lives. Uh, we just we hang out and we talk together with a beer. Um, the show started, uh, I guess we could give a little bit of history. The, sh- the show started uh, COVID lockdown time. As soon as everything got locked down for the pandemic and we were all stuck in our houses uh, alone, <laughs> uh, I decided to start doing this kind of um, live stream thing. Uh, there were a lot of people kind of hanging out with friends via Zoom and stuff like that, and um, I, I decided that that's, that's what I was going to do, is uh, do this weekly live thing. Um, and here we are, 170 episodes later, and uh, still going strong with it because uh, it is so much fun. Um, so I, I say all of that just to uh, to tell you that um, you should you should get on the live stream sometime and hang out with us there. And if you do, um, get on the chat and tell us what you're drinking because again, it helps us pretend like we're drinking together. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, da, da, da. Marco says doing the usual with some work around the house. Um, I actually. Uh, I was doing a, a little bit of work around the house too. I got the grass mowed tonight, um, and I didn't think it was going to happen because uh, the mower was fighting me. So um, I had to get the mower running and then uh, mow the grass and do the trimming and all of that. So oh, I got some stuff done. I had a very productive evening. Uh, Julia is enjoying a super rare release, a Schwarzbier from the highly esteemed Ludwig Brewing, Ludwig Brewery. Uh, that is a uh, craft parenting podcast. That is their homebrew. Um, I believe I've had that Schwarzbier, and it was uh, it was it was very good. Uh, Josh says hello. He is having uh, an Imperial Blood of the Unicorn from Pipeworks. It is a red IPA. Uh, it's quite tasty. I believe that I've had that. I think I drank that on the show at some point. Um, hanging out with from Michael from Medina. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm gonna crack one open though. And uh, uh, not a blood of the unicorn, something different. Um, and it uh, it does kind of start a uh, a little bit of a conversation too. Uh, Jason is having Sun King Koi Decoy. Koi, de, that's that's pretty fun to say. Koi Decoy, Koi Decoy, Koi Koi Decoy. <laughs> uh, what kind of beer is that? Ty is having a Corona and tacos. Ooh, that sounds good. Um, 
I have not eaten dinner yet. I'll probably eat after the show. Um, but um, this one, uh, I've been uh, eagerly waiting to try it. Uh, I get to try it for the first time uh, with you guys. This is the Since Italian Pills from Westside. Um, it is an Italian-style Pilsner. 5.2%, 40 IBUs. Um, that starts a whole conversation, though, of what in the world is uh, in a, a, an Italian-style Pilsner. Um, and my description is probably uh, pretty simple. <laughs> I don't know how accurate it is, um, but I have always... I've I've always thought that um uh an an Italian pilsner is or or should be uh just a German style pilsner uh, dry hopped uh, usually with some kind of European hops so not like an American uh dry hopped pilsner um that's that's my um my style description uh not that uh, not that it means anything uh, Josh says the West Side uh, Italia Pills was good. Uh, it kind of smelled, tasted like pizza sauce. Um, it's a Pilsner made with extra hand gestures. Uh, so uh, it's bright, looks like a Pilsner. There's a tiny bit of haze to it, but not really. It's 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 pretty big, fluffy white head. Uh, this is what a Pilsner is supposed to look like. And oh yeah, it's got that... Uh, Real floral, uh, earthy hops. Does this say what it's hopped with? Uh, let's see. Italian-style pilsners are uh, typified by a saturated hop character thanks to having hops added directly to the fermentation tank. Pale gold with a white head. Crackery malt notes support a lush, floral, and slightly fruity hop character thanks to drop ho dry hopping with uh, German Mandarina Bavaria hops. So, yeah. Um... European hops, Pilsner. It has that uh, uh, real kind of uh, yes, it's floral uh, and and maybe fruity, but there's like a there's a really great kind of earthiness to uh, to European hops. Mm. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Oh, that's that's great. Um, the the name uh, Italian Pilsner, I think, throws people off uh, because they're expecting, um, I don't know, something to do with Italy. <laughs> and and really, from my understanding of how the the styles happened, uh, it was just a brewery in Italy that made a German Pilsner and and dry hopped it. <clears throat> Had nothing to do with. Um, any kind of Italian ingredients or anything like that. Uh, that being said, uh, clearly uh, it'll it'll pair up really good with um, with food. Um, man, it's delicious. Uh, I am more and more uh, over and over. I realize that I am just a sucker for a crisp, uh, clean, bright, uh, hoppy uh, pilsner. I when they're done well, man, it is refreshing and um, delicious, especially, um, like I said, I got done mowing the grass, 
this is the first beer that I've had after mowing. I did uh, have one while I was mowing. I drank a garage beer, uh, an old garage beer. I still have like four more, I think, hiding uh, in the fridge. Um, and uh, this, this, man, this, this is perfect for a post mow beer. Um, and Derek is drinking Rheingeist beer for humans. First time catching a show live in a while. Well, great to have you back. Um, I, the beer for humans, I, I like that beer a lot. Uh, I, it's not not as crispy like this as I want beer for humans to be. Um, I, I don't think I would drink as many of them as I would something like this, but uh, super good. Um, I did uh, uh, grab a six pack the last time I was at the store too. Um, the Wiedemann watermelon lager. Uh, if you guys haven't tried that, uh, it's another perfect mowing beer. Uh, really kind of uh, juicy, uh, artificially kind of watermelon, just uh, uh, like like candy in in a glass. Uh, Brad is having a virgin seltzer currently. Um, that's probably in my uh, in my future too. Uh, it's probably aside from beer, um, actual like just fizzy water is probably the thing that I drink the most of. I drink a ton of it. I love it. Um, so yeah, no judgment here. <laughs> uh, let me pull the, uh, the chat up for you guys since I forgot to do that. Um, it'll pop up here in just a second. Um, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, this is an interactive show. The whole point is for us to hang out together. So, uh, jump on the chat and, uh, and, and chat with people. Um, but, uh, we do have uh, lots of things to, to talk about <laughs> this week. There's uh, um, lots of good stuff, uh, lots of stuff happening in uh, in the world of beer. Um, I do want to, before we get into kind of the news stuff, um, it's on the wrong side. I forgot to move that. I want to talk about Cincy Brewcast. <sighs> I grabbed the cable again. My goodness. Over there there Cincy Brewcast so uh this week we um uh sat down with David Nilsson um I've been trying to find a way to get him on the show for uh what feels like a very long time and I uh, finally got him to sit down and um had a really really fun conversation kind of about his projects that he's got going on because he's got all kinds of really cool stuff um his podcast is uh, fascinating to me uh talking about um pairing beer and chocolate together uh, not just um not just a, a, about beer and chocolate together but just kind of the um uh the similarities between craft beer and craft chocolate um it's really interesting stuff so if you guys don't subscribe to his show go you know give it a listen and um, he is getting ready to, uh, to launch a project called Final Gravity, which is a, uh, um, a craft beer zine. So similar to kind of the punk rock, uh, zines, um, that, uh, uh, handcrafted, uh, handmade, you know, magazines that, uh, um, featured a lot of kind of independent writing and stuff and, uh, 
wrap that into craft beer. And I just, I think it's such a cool idea. Uh, so I'm really excited about that first, uh, issue of that coming out. Um, anyways, um, if you don't, if you don't already follow him on social media and stuff, do that because he's got some cool stuff. Uh, da, da, da. uh, Justin says, hi, uh, what's up, Justin? Um, but let's, uh, jump into some other news. Let me drink some more of this delicious beer. One thing that I did not pull artwork for that I should probably talk about, uh, 16 Lots opened the Southern Outpost this weekend. I completely forgot to pull um, artwork for it, but um, I did make it out. <coughs> if you guys didn't get to uh, to read the blog post, go over to uh, thenarlygnome.com and read that. But um, that tap room, man, they nailed it. Uh, I, not that I didn't expect it to be great, Um but it is it is something else. They uh, uh, there are so many little details around the space that um, a lot of stories and a lot of uh, kind of trivia, I guess, is a good way to put it um, around. And uh, the beer is 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 fantastic. Uh, you've got Chris Mitchell uh, brewing uh, there in Newport, and then uh, Josh Wilson, formerly of uh, Fifty West, is now up in uh, in Mason. Justin says, I haven't been on here for a while. My life has changed. Uh, curious of what has changed about your life. Um, but the, uh, so 16 lots, uh, absolutely great. Uh, they have, um, as anybody who knows, uh, Chris Mitchell should not be surprised. There is a chocolate cherry stout on tap, a, um, a coffee blonde ale on tap. Uh, both of them delicious. Uh, I, I anticipate there'll be a couple other, um, beers that, uh, that feel familiar, uh, to everybody that, uh, has kind of followed him around throughout his, uh, uh, craft beer journey. Um, really cool stuff though. Uh, and then we're just a couple weeks away from a couple other openings. Um, uh, new Wales up in Middletown is moving into their, um, their new space. If you guys didn't listen to, uh, um, Last week's episode of the Brewcast, go back and listen to that. They have an official date. They are definitely um, ready to go there. And then um, Justin says, job change, bigger brewery. Um, hopefully that is all going great there. Uh, uh, you've got Fabled um, Brewing down in uh, uh, Northern Kentucky. They are getting ready to open um, just some, some really cool stuff. Some other other fun little projects that I think are moving along pretty well, too. Um, anyways, uh, I didn't pull artwork for it, so we, we, don't, we won't linger on all of that stuff too long. Uh, one thing that uh, I do, I do want to briefly talk about, but I don't want to get lost uh, kind of in the weeds too much about it. Uh, the Human Rights Campaign has... Um, suspended AB InBev's formerly perfect score. Uh, and they kind of, um, based on kind of how they treat their employees, we'll put it that way. Uh, and they, they rate places as, um, 
uh, best places to work. And uh, AB InBev for a long time had a perfect score as a wonderful place that treated its employees great. And they uh, just suspended it because they couldn't get um, <laughs> couldn't get AB InBev to talk about kind of their handling of this whole uh, Bud Light uh, controversy. Um, on on kind of that same uh, same story, this whole Bud Light thing that is happening. Um, I did see a post on like Twitter or something that somebody saw Kid Rock drinking Mick Ultra at some kind of event, and I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Mister, uh, uh, shoot my Bud Light cans with a, uh, a rifle, and then start drinking <laughs> Mick Ultra. Whatever. <laughs> People are, are fascinating to me. Uh, like I said, we won't dive into the uh um the the Bud Light thing because it's it's I it still just blows my mind that it's a thing. Uh Justin says, honestly it sounds like bigots hate beer now. Um Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I I still, I just, I can't, I can't understand what is happening and uh, I don't, I don't know that I want to. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, Mick Ultra sponsored by the American Badass. And Justin says more for us. Uh, I, I don't really drink uh, Bud Light, not for the same reasons that other people seem to be boycotting it. I just, I really don't think it tastes very good. Um, and I'm not, you know, clearly I'm not against, uh, light beer. Um, uh, clearly, um, I enjoy a crispy Pilsner. Um, I, I'll drink, you know, high life and I'll drink PBR. And I'll drink, there's plenty of light, um, not amazing beers that I will consume from time to time. Uh, Bud Light is just not really one of them. I just, I really don't think it tastes good. Obviously, if somebody puts it in my hand, I'll probably drink it, but um, just don't don't enjoy it too much. So that's all I have to say about that. Um, this one, uh, I think, is pretty interesting. Um, Appalachian Mountain Brewing. They were uh, um, acquired uh, back in... 2018, I believe, uh, by the Craft Brew Alliance. Uh, that's the, uh, the the large kind of conglomerate of craft breweries. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> of craft breweries, uh, Kona being one of the big ones, uh, Widmer Brothers. Uh, can't uh, can't think of, of who else was, was in it, but um, they were acquired back in 2018 by this uh, uh, Craft Brew Alliance. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, Craft Brew Alliance, um, AB InBev was a partial owner of Craft Brew Alliance for years until 2020 when they bought the rest of it. Excuse me. So um, all of those um, all of those breweries became at that point AB InBev property, <coughs> including Appalachian um, Mountain Brewing. Uh, uh, so they kind of, uh, kind of backed into this, uh, acquisition. Uh, the original founders, uh, just made news this week, um, by buying it back. This is, um, platform was, uh, shuttered and everybody was laid off. Then this is the first one, um, 
of the the craft brands from AB InBev that is just being kind of sold off and just gotten rid of. Um, I don't I don't know uh, how much of it is because uh, AB InBev uh, doesn't give uh, a crap about craft beer anymore. Um, I don't know how much of it it was just. Uh, it was a brand that wasn't wasn't performing for them, so they were eager to kind of uh, dump it. Um, we don't know details about how much the uh, the founders had to pay to get the brand back. Um, it's uh, it's interesting to me because it's that um, going back to that 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 same uh, story from when platform closed of AB InBev really starting to shift their. Uh, uh, their focus to uh, these big national brands, um, and I don't think it—I don't think it bodes well for a lot of their uh, their craft brands that are not uh, national brands. I think that um, I think that we'll see more um, either shrunk down um, to just a couple labels um, or uh, sold off or or just shut down <laughs> I think and I, I could be wrong but uh, it seems to be that that is the way um, the evil conglomerate of AB InBev is, is leaning just just from an outside perspective um, interesting though uh, something to, uh, to keep an eye on uh, something else to keep an eye on uh, Dale's so uh, Dale's Pale Ale was the uh, the first craft beer put into cans um, I don't know what year that was, but um, for a long time, it was the only craft beer that uh, you would see in cans. Obviously, that has changed. I think it's a uh, complete opposite now where uh, there are very few that you'll see in bottles versus cans. Um, but um, they are now kind of expanding, and, and they being Oscar Blues, the brewery that, that makes it, um, they are part of uh, Canarchy, which is a another big conglomerate of lots of different craft brands. They are taking Dales and turning Dales into its own kind of family of brands, which I think is interesting. I think that we're seeing, you know, um, lots of uh, breweries do that. A Voodoo Ranger is probably the biggest one from New Belgium that um, is just dominating. Um, but Dales, um, the pale ale is staying uh, what it is. Um, uh, of course it is. <laughs> Dale's Pale Ale uh, in 2022 made up um, 45% of Oscar Blue's total sales. So almost half of, of what they are um, brewing is Dale's Pale Ale. They introduced last year Dale's Double IPA. Um, uh, so a, a, a double IPA, obviously. Um, it's 9% big, big IPA. Um, when you couple that in with the pale ale, um, we're now talking 60% of the company's sales between those two brands. They are now, as you can probably see in that picture, introducing um, a, uh, a, a light lager, Dale's light lager. Um, and it, so you're getting this, uh, this, this whole little family of brands, almost a, a sub-brand from Oscar Blues. Um, I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, obviously, this family of brands um, 
Josh says, how have I never heard of this brand? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Brad says, if only New Glarus expanded beyond Wisconsin. I would love to see New Glarus here. Um, I would drink a ton of it. Uh, they, uh, going down a quick little rabbit hole, um, they just introduced a uh, a Pilsner that, man, I, I really want to get my hands on and try. Um I know that uh, traditional styles are definitely their wheelhouse, and uh, I I can only imagine that it's it's fantastic. Um, but this uh, this idea of families of brands, I think, is uh, very uh, interesting and something that we're going to see from a lot of breweries. We're starting to see it here locally with like with a couple things. Um, obviously, um, Rheingeist with Truth and then Juicy Truth. Uh, I think that's very very interesting to watch. Um, I'm curious if we'll ever see kind of a session truth or something. <laughs> um, uh, it would, it would be cool. Um, but I also think it's a little, little strange that this is Dale's light lager versus the pale ale and the double IPA. Um, instead of leaning into the, uh, the hops and the, um, the IPA side of things, um, they just went with something completely different uh, in Dale's light lager. Light loggers are clearly having their uh, um, their their time in the sun right now. We're seeing all kinds of them. Uh, fretboard is getting ready to do fretboard light. Uh, you obviously have Garage Beer kind of spun off into its own company. You've got Legendary Lager in town that is doing incredible. Um, there's uh, the uh, uh, Cincy Cincy Light Lager from from Rheingeist. Um, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, <laughs> Sean White says, I still think that the non-alcoholic truth being called lie is brilliant. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, Brad says that Dale's had a session IPA at CBC and it was tasty. Yeah, I, that that does not surprise me to um, to see a, a session IPA. Again, because it's, it's that IPA um, kind of... Uh, uh, style family that fits in with the, the Dale's personality. Uh, uh, interesting. Um, uh, I'm, I'm all about people, uh, expanding brand families and not just, uh, uh, doing the fat tire thing and just changing the beer, <laughs> leave the beer alone, make something else. You know, if they had changed Dale's into just a light lager and the pale ale went away, it would bother me because it's, it's not Dale's anymore. Um, at least this way they are kind of expanding it somehow. Um, and Josh, uh, replying to, uh, to Sean about a non-alcoholic truth from Rheingeist, um, says, I want it to be called bend the truth. Uh, there's a lot of things you could do with it. And that's not, not saying that Rheingeist has any plans to, um, to brew a non-alcoholic truth. Um, there are not many breweries locally, um, that are even touching the non-alcoholic beer at all. The process I, I, I know is uh, sometimes a little expensive to do it uh, in a way that tastes good. Um, Madry does it uh, uh, at the beginning of every year. I think they do it in January. They do um, uh, leave, leave No Trace. I think that's what it's called. Um, and then um, uh, Braxton did uh, non-alcoholic garage beer, uh, but I don't, I don't know if they did it very long. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's still around. 
um, I definitely drank it. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Didn't hear much more about it after that. Uh, Derek says locale truth, uh, fib. <laughs> um, it still has to have truth in the name. I think, um, the, uh, to be, you know, really part of that brand family. I don't know <laughs> stuff. You could, you could come up with lots of different ideas, um, based on that, that, uh, truth concept. Um, anyways, moving on, um, another really strange story here. Uh, beer can chicken beer. <laughs> this is, uh, this is something that, uh, I find fascinating for a couple different reasons. Um, so number one, this is this is a beer like you can still drink the beer like normal um it's made with like rosemary and um pink peppercorns and something else um designed to uh, taste good with beer can chicken um so if you make beer can chicken you're supposed to drink this beer with it uh with that it's also supposed to be the beer that you shove inside your chicken when you're making your beer can chicken um, all of those kind of spices and stuff are supposed to help. Um, I think it's a load of garbage. I think beer can chicken, although delicious. Uh, I don't think that, I don't think that putting a can of beer, um, inside the chicken, um, is, is going to do a whole lot different than, um, putting a can of anything inside a chicken or just, putting a uh, pan of uh, liquid in the grill with the chicken. Like there, there's lots of ways to keep your chicken uh, super moist. Um, I don't know that shoving an aluminum can with a plastic liner uh, inside your food while you cook it at high heat um, is a good idea. Um, Brad is pointing out another story. We will get to that one uh, next. I did, um, um, I did pull artwork for that one. Um, so the beer can, beer can chicken thing is is uh, very interesting to me. Um, I don't, I don't know that anybody should be encouraging people to put cans in in their food while they cook it. I just, I can't. I can't imagine that anybody did any kind of studying about the, uh, the effects thereof. Um, I could be wrong. <laughs> it's, uh, it is very, very interesting. I, there's, there's something about some foods, uh, that when you put it on a beer can, it just makes the beer sound a little less appetizing. Um, I, I don't know that, uh, the thought of raw chicken um, <laughs> when I'm drinking beer is something that I want to have on my mind. <laughs> uh, there's uh, not many examples of that. Even um, uh, as much as I loved the sausage spiced Oktoberfest from um, Blank Slate, and there's one that uh, Paradise did last year. Um, the thought of sausage with... Um, beer is kind of uh unappetizing to me not actually eating sausage. i love sausage and beer just the, uh, the idea of sausage beer chicken beer um 
meat in general. <laughs> it just doesn't sound very appealing, what I'm thinking of beer. Uh, maybe I'm weird in that. <laughs> so, beer can chicken beer. Uh, gimmick? Maybe. <laughs> Uh, as Brad mentioned, Flying Dog has been acquired um, by FX Matt. Um, it is uh, definitely moves them solid into uh, what top ten brewery if they weren't already. Um, uh, with that, they are also shutting down the um, the Flying Dog Brewery in Maryland and uh, moving all the production to. Um, the uh, the Matt um, brewing facility, um, it's kind of kind of sad. Uh, Flying Dog is definitely one of those uh, old school uh, craft brands that we uh, uh, came to to know and love as uh, young craft beer drinkers. Um, I I don't know the last time that I picked up Flying Dog. Uh, I, I'm sure it's still delicious. They had um, um, an old bay beer that was really good um <laughs> sean says that's a raging bitch if i ever heard one um that is one of the uh the beers uh from flying dog if anybody doesn't know um, derek says i put flying dog in a similar story arc story arc, story arc as bells bells founder retired brewery sold flying dogs founder died brewery sold sucks but i get it yeah i mean i i don't i don't fault the people um at flying dog for um, trying to find a way out. I'd much rather them sell to a, uh, a large craft brewery or um, a, uh, any one of these craft conglomerates, you know, versus uh, to somebody else or to shut things down um, and just go away. But um, it does, uh, it seems, uh, it seems like it's like a, a fizzling out of a brand that uh, that meant something. Um, I hate seeing the uh, the original brewery um, shut down. Um, I believe that I saw that they are going to open up like a uh, Flying Dog um, brew pub or something um, in um, New York, maybe, which makes sense, but. <clears throat> I, I don't know. <laughs> like, why not? Why not keep it there in in Maryland? You know, it, uh, the local brands mean something to the people that uh, that live there. Um, uh, Derek says Maryland bad couple of months with this and Guinness both going. Uh, that's a good point too. I didn't think about that. The uh, um, the Guinness Brewery. Oh, I think they're gonna. They're still gonna have something open there, some kind of like a visitor experience thing, um, but production is shutting down at the uh, the Baltimore Guinness facility. Um, we didn't actually talk about that story on here. Sean says I prefer thirsty dog over flying dog. <laughs> thirsty dogs over flying dogs. Anyway, um, I'll take both, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but I do see where you're going with that. <laughs> Uh, one more. Uh, this is a uh, kind of a, a quick little short one. Uh, I have a blog post coming about it sometime this week, but I did make it down to uh, Alchemy Festival um, down at Smoke Justice. 
<laughs> Josh says, but not brew dogs. <laughs> no. Uh, this is a cocktail competition. Uh, if for anybody that doesn't already know it, um, I'm, I'm as, as much as I love beer, I'm kind of a sucker for uh, a tasty cocktail also. Um, so I was really, really excited to get down and, and this is my first time getting down to the festival. I didn't make, it's the third year they've done it and I didn't make it to the other two. Um, Brad says, unfortunately, statistics are trending downward for beer with the younger generations. It's become a tougher market to compete in. 100%. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of other things that people are drinking. Um, and beer just uh, goes goes down uh, uh, every single year. Uh, that's not to say people aren't drinking beer, um, <clears throat> but it's not. Uh, that pie is not growing. Um whereas it, it was for a long time. Um, but one thing that is growing, uh, spirits. Um, and uh, the crowd that was down there was uh, fascinating to me, um, seeing the different uh, people that uh, are excited about uh, cocktail culture. And um, I think that this is, this is something that is super important um, for a city like Cincinnati to keep growing kind of uh, the uh, the bar scene uh, that we've got going on here. There's some really, really great uh, um, bartenders around town and cocktail programs that uh, don't don't get the, uh, the showcase that some other bigger cities might. So hopefully this is a kind of move into that where um, we'll start seeing um, start seeing more kind of to, to, to showcase that. Um, so that's all I got for you guys today. Um, we have, uh, plenty of fun stuff coming. Julia says the pics that you posted of the festival were fantastic. Well, thank you. I, uh, I shot a lot of pictures. Um, I, I was going to make a whole video too, and, um, just kind of got, uh, sucked into taking pictures and really didn't shoot a whole lot of video. So I don't, I don't really know how much video content I, I have to, to put something together. It may work its way into another vlog or something. Um, I do. Um, Sean says, what brewery has the best cocktail program? That is a good question. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, I um, have always been... Oh, no, I do know. It's Nine Giant. Nine Giants uh, at the Fermentorium. The the Tiki cocktails have to be my favorite. Um, Cartridge, I, I don't think I've had a cocktail there for a while. Um, but they had a, a really great cocktail program. I don't know how that's changed with the, uh, the new ownership. Um, trying to think off the top of my head, who else has a great cocktail program? I'd have to look at a list. Um, Matry surprisingly has, uh, uh, good cocktails. They don't have a, a wide cocktail menu though, but they usually have a couple really good ones on tap. Um, uh, Obviously, you know, places like um, Cincinnati Distilling have good cocktail programs. Brad says, come see the new Norwood Taproom at the end of June. Shameless plug. We will have some cocktails. Oh, I will. Uh, I'm excited. Um, that uh, that whole little uh, development over there, the Factory 52, is really, really cool. And so getting some more places open there will be nice. Um you can get uh, you can get good cocktails surprisingly at a lot of places, but um, 
finding places that are willing to put the attention into a cocktail program uh, is sometimes uh, sometimes difficult. I think that there are still a lot of people um, in the beer industry that uh, don't don't want to focus too much on their cocktail program because they feel like it's going to take away from the beer or they just aren't passionate about it or, or whatnot. So sometimes it's a little difficult to, uh, to find great cocktail programs at breweries, but we're moving there. We're, we're getting there <laughs> slowly, but surely. Um, anyways, we, uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, I, I am curious how, what everybody's thoughts. I, I posted a uh, video this week too. a, um, not super beer focused video. Um, just because I, I wanted to, <laughs> I've been wanting to get video content done and, um, sometimes I won't get enough to make a whole video about something. So then it'll just kind of get bumped aside and I move on to the next project. Um, and I want to kind of start getting some of that stuff put together into something. Um, and kind of, I enjoy giving you guys kind of a peek behind the scenes at the day-to-day life, uh, even if it's, uh, um, mundane sometimes. So, um, tell me what you thought about it. If you guys watched it, um, either leave a comment or shoot me a message or something. If you hated it, uh, we will, we will, uh, rethink how we're doing all of that, but, um, got to, got to get more video content. And I, I enjoy making videos. Um, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out. Um, if you like this show, if you like any of the shows that I do, uh, you know, the drill, go to the gnarly slash support. Um, if you or someone, you know, is a, uh, a local business, um, that, uh, wants to get your name out there to, uh, my audience, which is, uh, you guys, <laughs> um, tell them that they can sponsor, um, they can sponsor the show. And that is a, uh, a wide statement. You can sponsor Cincy Brewcast or drinking with the gnome or even the weekly pint, uh, or all of it. Uh, there are lots of ways that you can, you can get your name out there to, uh, um, to my audience. So, um, uh, tell people, get, get the word out there, tell people about all of these shows. Just if you know somebody that likes to, uh, to drink, um, share one of these shows with them. And, uh, that's how things keep, um, keep growing. So thank you guys. We will be back and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the same thing every single week. It's, uh, it's the weekly pint. It's becomes a, um, a part of, uh, starting, the uh uh the week for for me at least and hopefully for you guys too so um thank you very much we will uh we'll see you later yeah uh derek we were glad you were able to join live too um however if anybody doesn't know if you miss the show you can just go to youtube and watch the uh, uh the video on there or you can now download it on your uh, your favorite um podcasting platform just search for the weekly pint and you'll you'll find it there (laughs) all right we'll see you guys later cheers everybody
think that more people would drink these Italian pilsners if they just called them dry hopped pilsners. Um, I, I don't. I don't understand why. 